0: Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today, we are talking about kinds of toxic spouses. Yesterday, we talked about how you might feel around them, what the way is that you interact. It might be bringing you down the energy, the emotion. And if you're still not sure about it, today, we're going to talk about 10, that's five, 10 types of toxic spouses. So the first is going to be the controller the next is going to be the Debbie Downer, next is going to be the liar, after that the perfectionist, then the manipulator, then the crazy competitor, then the abuser, the insecure one, and of course the binge drinker, and not necessarily in that order. And just to be clear, even though we're talking about distinct types, it might be that you're married to a toxic spouse and they're dominant in one of these 10 areas, but they've got some of the other qualities too. These are really just frames to put around behavior so that you can see if the person you're married to matches up to the frames. Is, is that making sense so far? And I'd love to hear any comments that you have. Please feel free to interact along the way. Um, like I'd like this to be as participatory as possible. All right, so the 10 types, we've talked about what they are. Let's start with numero uno, the controller. So if your man or woman is constantly trying to control every move, run is the general advice for the situation, because none of us really need to be told what to do and when to do it, right? And when we're with this person, it seems like we can never get anything right. Like the truth is, if you are with the right person, would they try and push you on a leash? Like, would they try and train you like a dog? If you're with someone like this, the chances are that they have something to say about what you wear. They have something to say about how you act, how you talk, when you laugh, what you have to say. And because they're constantly being critical, because they're always pecking at you, they will most likely hinder your growth. You know, A friend of mine didn't take a great job because her boyfriend thought there were too many male employees at the company. This is a big mistake. And you know, in case you're not sure, this tends to be, a lot of these character types are gonna fall into the broad category of narcissist, meaning they think of themselves, they think of themselves, they think of themselves. They just think of themselves and not you in different ways. They only think of you in terms of how you reflect on them. So the controller, is really concerned about how you're making them look. Or they might be, in the case of my friend, concerned about maybe one of those male employees was gonna offer her something better. But it's still gonna be all about them. All right. Let's talk about number two, which is the Debbie Downer. Now, we all know this person. Some people might characterize them as energy vampires is another title for them. They're always looking at the negative side of things. But, I mean, how can you have a positive relationship with someone who's always negative? And let's be fair, all right? If, you, if they've had like a major loss in their life, like they've lost a parent maybe or a sibling, They're going to be entitled to be a Debbie Downer for a while, but if it goes on and on and on and on and starts creeping into other areas of life, that's a problem. These people are going to suck you dry, the people who are down all the time, the people who always have a negative spin. I'm not talking about people who are grieving. I'm talking about people who are just generally negative about life. Always having to be around someone who's super negative and always complaining will make life less enjoyable i mean you're going to go out somewhere you're going to go to a concert and you're going to be enjoying it and you're going to turn to them and say what do you think and they're going to be like oh i don't know they're not playing my favorite songs oh you know ever since the lead singer died uh, i don't know or whatever right that's just going to bring you down it'll get to the point where you're afraid to have people over that you will go out to other people's houses because, number one, you're going to want to get away from your Debbie Downer partner. And number two, you're afraid of what they're going to think of your partner. All right, now let's get into number three, which is the liar. And these can be really hard to pick out. I mean, liars often, if they're really good liars, they're going to be gaslighting you too. And we'll talk about that a little separately in just a second. <clears throat> All right. So the liar is always going to lie to you. They're going to lie about anything that they think that you might get upset about or anything that you think might diminish them in some way. So you, the liar is protecting themselves. And a, a really good liar actually believes their own stuff. A really good liar has a, an, almost an alternate reality constructed uh, to back up their lies so that they can be really emphatic at it. I mean, good liars really believe their own stuff. And you can't trust these people. You can't trust them because they're never gonna tell you the truth, duh. You can't trust them because they're dishonest. You can't trust them because they're always covering their own ass and not yours and not your children. Like, do you want to have to be checking up on them all the time? I have a client recently who is living with the liar for years. He's been living with the liar and he suspected that she was stepping out on their marriage. And every time he brought it up, she would deny it emphatically. She had incredible evidence uh, as to why she was faithful and how crazy he was. And this goes into the gaslighting part. You know, even though it seemed obvious to him that she was interested in someone else and that something else was going on with another person, even though all that seemed obvious to him, he would she would convince him that he was crazy by laying out how she was a good mother, how she was always home, how she only went out to see her relatives and good friends. And yet, you know, she was also drinking intensely, which we know is an inhibitor dropper. He was. He allowed himself to be bought in by her gaslighting. And then one day their daughter grabbed a hold of her phone uh, and the phone was unlocked and he's looking over his daughter's shoulder and notices a text pop up from someone else. He takes the phone from her and starts looking at the texts and realizes that all this time she has actually been seeing someone else and that she was completely lying to him. And it, it rocked his world. It rocked his world. And the journey he went through from that point on was so painful for him. He had such a hard time. He loved this woman. He had a hard time letting go of the love, or at least he loved who he, he thought she was. He had a hard time accepting the circumstances of it. But because he had the well being of his daughter and his family on the front burner, he followed through. He chose not to believe her stories anymore. He got educated about gaslighting. He's been working with me for a while now. And he's really clear about if she ever really wanted to reconcile, what the conditions are that he would reconcile under. And they're pretty strict, pretty fierce. Uh, And he's very convinced that because she continues to be a liar and a manipulator, by the way, um, it's just not gonna work. So if you have someone like this, it can be really hard to fish out. And my advice to you would be trust your instincts. If your instincts are telling you that they're out with other people and that they're lying to you and that it's not completely true, you're, you're probably right. All right let's move on that was a long time with the liar the next one is the perfectionist the bottom line is the perfectionist is a lot like the perpetual controller Um, the controller is very critical and controlling of you the perfectionist is also very critical and controlling but this is more on you're never going to be good enough it's not so much about who you spend time with, but that they're they're less worried about whether there's men at work, but just always, whoever you spend time with, they're not going to be good enough. What you wear, not going to be good enough. No matter how well you cook, it's not going to be good enough. No matter how good you are in bed, it's not going to be good enough. This person can't do things well for themselves, or they feel that they can't. They're very insecure, and what they do is they bolster themselves by making you feel less than. All right, that, and the reason why they're the perfectionists is they have a standard that's this high. And the reason why they feel terrible is they can't meet their own standard. But rather than pick on themselves, they project it onto you. So if you're living with someone who's critical all the time, you probably should give this some thought, maybe go into therapy together, maybe confront them about it, maybe take some time separate from them and see how you feel about it. All right. The next one is the manipulator. The manipulator is someone who is always thinking of their own benefit. Uh, They may not be critical. They may not be perfectionistic. They may not be a liar, but they're always going to frame things in a way so that the choice that you make is to their benefit. They might be okay with you winning every now and then, but only if they're winning too. Their primary focus is themselves. And the truth is that they are afraid to ask for what they want directly. Right? The problem here is that they think, feel, emote that if they're direct, the answer is going to be no. And so they're always trying to find ways to get what they want without asking directly. let me tell you about a manipulator i was in a relationship with who taught me how to stand for what i believe in and how to put my children and my life first for a second i was in a relationship with a manipulator who actually had another problem they were very depressed but they weren't willing to confront it and they because they were very depressed, they had all kinds of screwy habits. They were buying things all the time. There would be bags on the floor with new things in it that were never opened. Sometimes the piles on the floor would pile up on their side of the room. Uh, And they were always convincing me that they were gonna get to it. They were always, uh, and they were spending our money, not just her money. And the manipulation was that every time I would confront her about it, she would say, I'm working on it. I'm taking care of this. You don't have to worry about it. I'm only using my money. It's okay. And you know, my, I'd love to say that it's all the manipulators fault, but the truth is like any victim of an abusive relationship or a toxic relationship, I bought into that stuff until I was ready to say no. This is not true until I was willing to look at the expenses, until I was willing to no longer tolerate the manipulation. And so they will play games with you endlessly. And unless you're willing to confront yourself first, and then second, you will remain stuck in that relationship eternally. Well, it'll feel like eternally. I wasn't in there eternally, but I was in there much longer than maybe I had to be. The truth is, I spent years trying to make that relationship work. And that's just not necessary. When you're in a relationship with someone who's toxic, get that they will, if they haven't changed with you confronting them or being direct with them for a year, they're not going to change for several years. And I will tell you that this person who was in a relationship still behaves exactly the same today. All right. Type number six, the cheater. Now the cheater is Vastly misunderstood. We think of the cheater, they're just awful, right? They don't respect us. They don't waste a second uh, to think about what we need for ourselves. They compromise on their own values, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's more to the cheater than that. Studies show that people who commit infidelity, who cheat, usually are feeling maybe a little depressed or stuck. And when they cheat, it's not actually about the person, it's not about their partner. When they cheat, it's trying to get to jolt their lives out of this sort of malaise, this feeling of, oh my God, nothing's ever gonna change. What am I gonna do? And they don't do it super consciously. They don't sit there and say, you know what, Bob sucks. I really need to get someone new in my life. Really what happens is they sort of slip into it in little bits and pieces. And they meet someone and there's a little excitement. And that excitement is like, oh, this is different. And they're, they're unconsciously drawn by the excitement. And as that builds, you know, they, they're sucked into having this relationship that seems really different than their marriage or their primary relationship. But in fact, the only reason why it's different is there's the excitement of stepping out. There's the excitement of breaking the rules. There's the excitement of something new and fresh. And were they to leave their partner and marry that person, they would slip back into that malaise. That's the point of view. Now, does that mean we should excuse the cheater? No. Does that mean that we have no role in it? We absolutely do have a role in it. Our role in it is that we've allowed the relationship to slip into a malaise. And there are people who are repeat cheaters as well. And so the trick here is if you don't feel like you're up for that, if you don't feel like you want to deal with that, don't step out. If you have children with the person and they're authentically willing to confront that they're cheating, you might be able to work it through with them. But let me tell you, having worked with a large number of couples who have infidelity, who have had infidelity, it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it involves both people taking responsibility for the situation that created that flatness in the relationship. And it involves both parties taking responsibility for their roles. And The primary thing is it takes the cheater understanding why they did what they did and being able to explain it to their partner for there to be forgiveness. And if without that real forgiveness, there isn't a real healing and the cheater is most likely going to do it again. Healing for the cheater and healing for the partner. All right, number seven, we're actually going to, I mentioned this last, last time, but we're going to bring it up to in the notch. This is going to be the binge drinker. Uh, And the binge drinker is also very misunderstood. Very often, we think that the binge drinker is just morally inept, that they can't control themselves, that they care more about their binge drinking than their relationship. But the truth is that many binge drinkers are actually have a disease, they have the disease of alcoholism. And so we have to be careful about how we judge this person. And very much like the cheater, we have responsibility with the binge drinker. There's something that where we've been enabling them or permitting it. Uh, Maybe we feel like we can manage them or control them through this unconsciously. But if you have a binge drinker in your life, and it's not working for you, step out, but get help either way. And getting help might be going to uh, Codependence Anonymous or Al-Anon or someplace like that, where they'll teach you about what kind of people get involved with binge drinkers. The binge drinker, by the way, will will have some of the qualities of the liar and the manipulator. They will tell you, it'll be different this time. I'll never do it again. Please, baby, please, baby, 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 please, baby. And they really believe it. They really believe when they say it, they mean it. And when they pick up again, it's not because they didn't mean it, it's because they have a a little voice inside them that's telling them this time it'll be different and then it isn't. And then they feel horrible, guilty and shameful and they have no way to deal with that guilt and shame. And that guilt and shame is part of the cycle, this destructive cycle of binge drinking. All right, I don't wanna take too much time with this. Eight, the crazy competitor. So you're supposed to be a team, right? You're supposed to be partners. Except that one of you is always kicking the other one's butt in everything. They're always one-upping your accomplishment. You come back from work and say, I got a raise. And they say, so what? I make more than you. Or my last raise was more than yours, or something like that. Or maybe they're competing for the attention of the children. Maybe you feel closed out in your relationship with your children because they're the better parent all the time and you just can't seem to get a uh, leg in edgewise. You know, these, this is a very insidious type of toxicity. And that competitors are not gonna let go of it easily because it's so insidious. They, in our culture, competition is uh, exemplified, right? We, bel- we love competitors, we love winners and the competitor is someone who's addicted to winning they're so addicted to winning that they will change the frame in any conversation so that they are the winner number nine the abuser what kind of abuse are we talking here there's all kinds of abuse first there's physical abuse that's obvious and in the last chapter where we're talking about how if someone puts their hands on you, the best thing you can do is reach out for help from the authorities. Do not try and solve this yourself. Do not try and solve it with your therapist. Do not try and solve it with your best friend. Do not try and solve it with your mother. When your partner puts their hands on you, they are breaking the law. And there are numbers that you can call for help with this. These are not-for-profits that are dedicated to helping people with this. And it's really important that you feel like you can talk to someone. If you're afraid to call the police, it's important that you talk to someone. So I'm gonna say this again. You can reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. They're on 24/7. That's 800-799-7233, the National Domestic Hotline. So if you're afraid to call the police, call them and have a conversation with them. And these are people who have been where you've been, they will walk you through it. Now there are other kinds of abuse though, besides putting hands on people. People can be big and physically threatening without ever putting their hands on you. And we call this emotional violence. When somebody feels threatening to you, they're they're in your face and they're yelling and they're very intense this is emotional abuse now they just think they're expressing their anger they may not know they're emotionally abusive and they may be educatable on this but many abusers are hooked on the victim abuser relationship and so as long as you're showing up feeling like a victim in that relationship they're going to have a hard time shifting And so you definitely want to talk to a coach about it or a therapist, depending on the level of abuse that's going on and work it through. I've had a lot of clients who are divorcing the abuser and we've done a lot of work on them getting back in touch with their values and reestablishing their self-esteem and creating safety from the abuser and learning how to win with the abuser. But often it's in separate households and there's very little chance of reconciliation because let's face it, Some people get addicted to being abusive just like they do to alcohol or anything else. All right, last but not least, we have the insecure one. This person will always be jealous and will always blame you. Jealousy can be sexy sometimes, right? It makes us feel wanted, it makes us feel loved, but when that jealousy shows up with an undercurrent of violence or maybe even uh, self-pity on their end, it's not so sexy anymore. And when it comes up again and again and again, it gets annoying. In fact, they're going to make it out like you're crazy. They're going to make it out like there's going to be gaslighting in this case. If they're really insecure, they're going to be gaslighting. They're going to make it look like you're planning to leave them Uh, They're going to make it. They're going to accuse you of wanting to get back together with your ex or your ex's best friend or whatever. They're like these people are out there. They're really fearful. They're not grounded in reality. And so, again, uh, unless you really love them, you probably want to get out. All right. So that's 10 count of 10 different kinds of toxic spouses. And I'm going to say it again, that uh, a person might have one or they may have all or some of these. But there are different ways really what I'm giving you are 10 lenses of behavior to watch out for. And in reality, we're all going to show, demonstrate some aspect of this. I mean, who hasn't gotten really angry and yelled at someone who hasn't felt really insecure, who hasn't drank too much? Who hasn't been very competitive or or thought about cheating or cheated emotionally, forget about cheating physically, or manipulated, or being who hasn't been perfectionist, who hasn't told a lie, who hasn't been a little depressed, and who hasn't tried to be controlling? We all have. But the question is, is this going on 24-7? Or if not 24-7, is it going on more of the time, a bigger percentage of the time than the positives? Because if you're feeling, like we said in the first chapter, if you're feeling like Um, it's just sad and painful and lonely and awful when you're with them all the time, then the chances are something's wrong. As always, uh, I invite you to comment below. I invite you to reach out to me, rich at richinrelationship.com. If you are in a relationship and you're fighting with these someone like this and you just want to talk about it, you can book an appointment with me at bit.ly forward slash end the fight, all lowercase, all one word, end the fight. It's a bit.ly link, bit.ly forward slash end the fight. And we'll pick this up on Monday, and we're we're gonna talk about how to stop taking the poison if you're in a toxic relationship with someone. Thank you so much.